Baby Rampage shushed a quiet place to the tune of $34 million. We're going to talk about Proud Mary, Truth or Dare, and so much more. Stay tuned. Hey. Uh, I left the... Ooh. <laughs> Good job in the city. Yes, yes. <laughs> Y'all, Proud Mary has been released on DVD. 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 <laughs> and Blu ray this week. This is your host of Black Tomatoes, episode number eight, Carla Renata. And I am joined by Scott Manzel. How are you, Carla? I'm doing great. <laughs> Especially now that I heard Miss Tina sing a Proud Mary. That is my favorite song. <laughs> Ever. So let me just hit that for a second. Sure, sure. So I got invited to this. Um, it was it wasn't a junket. I don't know what it was called, but they invited like maybe about ten or eleven influencers to learn some stunts and self defense moves from the um stunt coordinators from the movie Proud Mary that specifically work with Taraji P. Henson. Yeah. And I was a mess because, you know, I <laughs> I, I, I got a metal knee, so I was like, um <laughs> I don't want to hurt nobody and they growing with my metal knees. So there's that. But um it was really, really lovely. And I'm going to give a big shout out to Cheryl Lewis um, for teaching me some moves and for the Shields Women's Defense, self-defense uh, office out in Culver City. Give them a shout out because they helped the sister out. And it was really cool. But having said that, sure. when I watched Proud Mary, I had a whole new appreciation for what Taraji P. Henson was doing in that movie because... That stunt work is really hard. It's very precise. It's very crisp. It's very clean and sharp. And I can't even imagine. They said that they didn't work on um, work on her moves for that long to teach her how to do it. She because she they said she's very fit and she just you know her reflexes are very fast. So I was like, girl, big ups because <laughs> I was like, Ooh. what I was really excited about with Proud Mary when I actually watched the film, which is out on DVD and yep. Blu-ray this week as of April tenth. <clears throat> is the fact that there was kind of like a little mini reunion between Margaret Avery and Danny Glover, who were Shug and Mr. in The Color Purple. So I was like, oh, Mr. and Shug from The Color Purple were in (laughs) Proud Mary. I'm like, okay, what's that? How'd that gonna happen? And they were married in this movie, which is funny because in The Color Purple, they didn't get married. So he wanted to marry her, but it never happened. So I was like, oh, shout out to that. (laughs) And then um, the dude from uh, How How to Get Away with Murder, Nate, he was in it. And uh, there was this little boy. Now, you know, I don't I don't like ragging on a child, but I don't know how I felt about that little boy's acting. I was like, mm, I don't know. He got better as the film went on. But at first I was like, yeah, I'm, okay. not, sure. I'm not sure about you. Taraji, <laughs> um, you know, it was Taraji. And, and, and the film, the film was OK. Like it was it was OK. But what I will say is that it was kind of like a throwback to like the 70s, Cleopatra Jones, you know, those types of films. It was really nice. Pam to, Greer movies. Yes. Pam Greer movie, coffee, that kind of thing. OK. It was really nice to see a black woman as a uh, the lead in an action figure movie. It was nice to see that. It was nice to see a cast of mostly African-American people. I just wish that the script for the film had been better and that it had been a better movie. 
But I enjoyed watching my peeps on the screen doing their thing, but I just really wish it had been a better movie. I'll let you know when I think of it when I watch it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, my God. You were going to lose your mind. But <laughs> what you're really going to lose your mind about is when you when you go to the curvyfilmcritic.com yeah. and see those videos of me doing that self-defense, you're going to laugh your ass off. Okay. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> so now that I've talked about Proud Mary... Let's get into the movies for this week. So Rampage. Well, dude. don't we want to talk about oh, Greta Showman real quick? Oh, because wait, that's wait, on Blooming. Right. Blue right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Sorry. We, we are screwing up the names as well. I know. We're screwing up the names left and right, but we're so excited. Oh, I, So I, Scott has said on this show numerous times that he's seen The Greatest Showman at least like four or five times. Uh, yeah, yeah. I saw it five times in the movie theater. Right. So he saw it five times in the movie theater. Last night, I was sitting with my mom. I'm like, Let's, and I was scrolling through the Apple TV thing. I was like, oh, Greatest Showman. Let's see what this is about. Zendaya is in it. Let's see. Oh, my goodness. I am all about The Greatest Showman. I am convinced they are going to take that and make it into a Broadway musical. I like, it's already packaged so. and ready to go. And they could take it with the cast of the film. Like, the people that are in the film know how to do stage. They know how to dance and sing. Kiala Settle was in Waitress. She did a, did a couple of other movie, movies. She did a Bro- couple of other Broadway, Broadway shows. shows. Yeah. Um, and... Hugh Jackman has been on Broadway it, numerous right? times. Um, Zendaya's never been on Broadway, but that doesn't stop her. And, and so and is Zach. Zach and Zach Efron. Too. And then I was like, oh, the two Disney babies are together. I kind of, I really, 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 really love that movie. I love the way it was shot. I loved all the music. I loved the costumes. I loved everything about it. The only thing that kind of had me going, wah, 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 were two things. So the first thing was... Um, I wish that the storyline between Zac Efron's character and Zendaya's character was developed a little bit more. Yep. Because it was kind of like they met, they fell in love. You don't know what happened to them. You don't know what happened before they got there. You don't know what happened to them afterward. I was kind of like, I would have loved to have seen that play out a little bit more. But I know the film is not about them. It's about P.T. Barnum. So there's that. And then the other thing was... I found I found myself. It's a good thing I didn't see it in the theater because as I was watching it, I yeah. found myself wanting to Google everything that that, oh, that yeah. was of, that yeah, was of yeah. curi- curiosity to me. So the thing the thing that was the most curious to me was whether or not the young lady playing Jenny Lynn was really singing. Oh yeah, oh she yeah. Was, and I found out she wasn't. Right. Yes. <laughs> I found out she wasn't. Somebody was singing for her, but man, she did an awesome oh, job of singing. I'm like. She needs to be on lip sync battle with oh, that. I that know. was great. Well, the thing is, I know like how great that was. It really looked like she was singing. I was, I was like, like, she is getting. I'm like, she looks like she's singing. She is getting down. Yeah. And the other thing was, so the way they played out the relationship between between Jenny Lynn and P. T. Barnum in the movie is not really kind of how it happened. What actually happened was closer to what happened toward the end of their little relationship in the film. He, she came to visit him at his house in Connecticut professing her undying love for him. And he was like, you know what? This is too much of a distraction for me. You got to go. That's what happened in real life. But in the movie, it made it look like he just dumped his wife and his kids to go run off with this coloratura soprano. And I felt some kind of way about that. Well, I I mean, the the interesting thing is, if, if you listen to the music, what I love, one of the many things that I love about this movie is that every one of the songs basically tells a story uh, of what's going to happen next in the movie. So, you know, the whole thing, there, there's a constant back and forth between Hugh Jackman and Michelle Williams. It's uh-huh. like, when's enough going to be enough? <laughs> you know, and then, you know, the song Never Enough comes comes on, and he, he just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. And the, the final number, uh, from now on, it really gets to me because it just, it, it kind of gets gets to that point where he finally realizes that, you know, 
he wanted all these things. He wanted to make an impression. He wanted to go from rags to riches. Mm -hmm. And he went too far with it. Mm -hmm. And he left behind, you know, the the group that pretty much started everything for him. And it really cared about him. And they all, you know, when they all sing together and in that in the Okay, bar let's scene. talk about that yeah, moment. Sure. Not the bar scene, but the moment before that when okay. they come to the door and yeah. they want to celebrate. And he literally shuts the door in her face. I was like, ew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if it were not for this group of people, you wouldn't be in that room with these right. people celebrating that was shady boots i'm like really pt barnum that's phineas was well, his name. Well, really yeah. finny well that i mean honestly i thought you know the movie gets a lot of criticism for this this fact that like it kind of highlights and shows him as a nice person because apparently like apparently the real, he was not he was not a very no. nice person but i thought in a magical hollywood type of way you know this is no, no one's ever saying <laughs> the studio never came out and said this is the biopic, and it's going to follow it you know, beat, by, right. beat, beat, beat by beat. It was like, we're just going to have a fun, feel-good musical, and that's exactly what it was. But, I mean, that's a great point. That, that scene there is great, but it also kind of shows him at that point, kind of, he turns on them, then he turns on his family, and it, like, it all kind of comes together, and it's, it's all very quick. But it follows the formula of a Broadway musical perfectly. It does. Because they don't really spell stuff out in Broadway musicals. No. They just kind of like beat by beat by beat. Here's no. a song. We're going to sing about it. Next, move on. No. Yeah. And this is the other thing. So in the beginning, when him and his wife meet, played by Michelle oh, Williams, yeah, yeah. when they meet and they're dancing around, I was like... <laughs> this was me. I was like, who is that doll? She looks a lot like Michelle Williams, <laughs> but does Michelle Williams really dance like that? She's on Broadway, too. Who oh. knew? Okay, I knew she was on Broadway, yeah. but I'm like, who knew she was dancing like that? I'm like, well, okay, Emma Stone, volume two. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is happening? She was killing me. She was twirling through them sheets. I'm like, well, go ahead, Michelle. I'm like, Michelle Williams is an anomaly, dude. Like, I don't know anybody else in Hollywood of her caliber that can do what she's doing. She's killing it. Oh, yeah. She can play anything. She can. I mean, and it was so nice to see her in this movie because it was kind of like a lighter, upbeat movie for her. Like, we're so used to seeing her, her dark. in, like, yeah, like Blue Valentine, really dark, serious, yeah. depressing movies. But it's about to get dark I know, again. I know, I know. Because you know she's, uh, she's tied to the Janis Joplin biopic. Yes, yes, yes. She's going to win an Oscar for that. I haven't even seen the movie. <laughs> I haven't seen the script. I don't even know what the movie's going to be like. But I know if Michelle Williams is playing Janis Joplin, yeah. Michelle Williams going to win an Oscar. Yeah. That's what I know. Yeah, she's I incredible. hope she don't have no competition because it'll be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i just this is just this movie was just a wonderful celebration of dreamers and diversity and imagination and it, it and you should watch it again like it's one of those movies you can just keep watching over oh, and definitely. over and I'm, over again. i'm waiting for it to come to broadway because if it yeah, comes oh, to broadway i, I will I be in I'm the front going, row i'm going too i know i will be in the front I row yelling Fox, and screaming and losing I my said, mind you know what you better get me tickets <laughs> I'm, i will be in the front row standing there losing my mind <laughs> losing it oh lord i'm so it's between proud mary and and freaking the greatest show man i'm just i'm clamped and just worn out already <laughs> and we just got started i know so as I said in the intro, Rampage has shushed, literally shushed, oh, your favorite film, Quiet, Quiet Place, Place, right, 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 um, to the tune of thirty-four million dollars. How you feeling about that? Um, I knew I had a feeling. You know, I was kind of going back and forth about this because I, I thought after I saw Rampage, I'll talk about that in a few seconds, but I, I didn't really quite know if it was going to be successful. Um, and then I was like, Nah, Quiet Place is going to keep having it until the Avengers movie comes out. 
But, I mean, they're so neck and neck. I mean, it, and it could change. You never know. Tomorrow it could change. We can actually see the box office numbers when they're final. Tomorrow mm-hmm. come up, and it might change. Yeah, it can flip on a dime. It really yeah, can. it really can. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. But, I, I mean, listen, that mo- the Quiet Place almost had $100 million in two weeks on a $17 million budget. Oh. I don't know if people have been looking at this lately, but the box office numbers are very interesting to me because they're the smaller movies, the ones that have the smaller budgets like under like 50 million seem to be dominating the box office. And then movies over the 50 million, you know, of course Black Panther, anything Marvel or Star Wars is going to, you know, <laughs> right. knock everything out of the park. Right, right. But for the most part like they're not they're barely getting by, they're barely crossing over. Yeah, I mean, you know, those really big budget action adventure um movies they do they do really well just because of the nature of the films but these other films you have to really engage the audience to be able to sustain that um that box office uh, but i think i think it's interesting now because i think it's switching you know we, last week we talked about netflix and how every everyone was yeah, scared did. about the game changing mm-hmm. you know this is it, it's interesting because it's going back almost i see it going back to the older days and like the 80s and the 90s mm-hmm. where the lower budget movies are actually becoming a little bit more successful than most of the big budget. Yeah, movies. they are. I mean, that's why I was. That's the point I was trying to get to. Yeah. The bigger budget movies are going to have success because it's a built-in formula there. With the smaller budget movies, they don't have the built-in formula. So, so for those films to succeed and to even dominate the box office, the story has to be on point. The cast has to be on point. The picture, the script, everything about that film has to be right on the money, or it kind of does not have the opportunity to do it it's been doing but you're absolutely right the smaller budget movies have been taken over and you know what that's a really good thing because now Hollywood is getting the memo that you don't have to spend millions upon billions of dollars to entertain the public we're entertained with the truth yes we're entertained with the truth. But before we get, which segues me into truth <laughs> yeah. there, but before I do that, I just need to say that our engineer, Marissa, said that she needed a Xanax after she saw A Quiet Place. So I just had to get, if if y'all are looking, A Quiet Place is Warner Brothers? No. No, it's Paramount. <laughs> Quiet Place, Paramount, if you're listening, <laughs> just know that you got a quote right here at Black Tomatoes on Black Hollywood Live from Marissa. She says that she needed a Xanax when that film was over. So take heed to that and keep it moving. <laughs> Now, moving on to Truth or Dare. Sure. Now, as I said, and I have said, (laughs) and I will say numerous times, I do not do the scary. I do not do the horror. But Truth or Dare premiered this week. And you saw it, right? Yes, I did. Um, This is one where I think you would have been able to handle. Really? Yeah. Um, We we have the trailer, I guess, for this before we go into it. Well, let's check it out. Yeah. yeah. Let's see if I'll be scared. Play the game. Then the game. It sounds insane, but the game is real. Please, you. What is it making you do? Truth or dare? Truth. Yeah, no, I won't be able to see that. Are not dead. We can't win. Tell me what's going on. I think you would be all right, honestly. You survived this only if we trust each other. I need you to cut out your tongue. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I won't uh, be okay with that. Uh, all right. Because the music alone just gets me, and I'm just like, mm, no. There's not as much music in the movie. <laughs> um, uh, I'm shaking where, my head. Where do I start with this one? Um, <clears throat> Jason Blum, mm-hmm. who is behind Blumhouse, mm-hmm. is 
without question, one of the most brilliant people in Hollywood in terms of producing movies. I mean, he's the guy responsible for Get Out, as well as Insidious and, gosh, Conjuring, so many movies. Mm -hmm. And then every once in a while, not every once in a while, at least once a year, he comes out with a movie that's just completely freaking lazy. And he throws that out there. And True for Dare is that movie. Wow. Yes. <laughs> you threw um, him and, all and, the way. And, and, you well, threw him under the bus and ran it. over he his knows, throat with He it. knows it, though. <laughs> and, I mean, I talk to him every year at Sundance. We talk. I'm, I've. Th- this is a guy who I go up to personally every time I'm at a film festival and I talk to. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, you know, basically praise him at all of the success that he has had. But I'm always honest with him about what I feel about movies that he just makes. But he doesn't care. And the thing is, is that that's what a producer has to do. This, first of all, I'm not the target demo for this movie. This yeah. is a movie for teenagers. Mm-hmm. So if you're someone who likes, you know, people talking on cell phones throughout the entire movie, texting each other and making jokes about True for Dare, you know, this movie's probably for you. I think a lot of people are going to have some great laughs with this movie. But this one is, of our engineers here did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a it's a guilty pleasure. I mean, it's wildly entertaining, but it's so freaking bad. It's 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 poorly written, poorly acted, um, and then the ending is just basically like someone just went like this to you. It really wow. is, it, it, and it's like, and it builds up to the inevitable, which is another one. So. Um, this Are there one, any redeeming I, I, qualities? Well, I want to well, talk about this because we were just talking about the, the, box, the office. box office. So the budget on this movie was $3.5 million. It made $19 million. That is a huge hit for them because even if you double they it. Didn't, which, they, didn't meet, they, didn't, they barely made over half, right? Yeah, well, no. They, that's a huge hit. That's only, they, they only had to make um, $7 million in order for this to be like double the marketing budget. Because the mm-hmm. marketing budgets usually double with the the actual budget of the film is, mm-hmm. so this is already a huge hit, and there's nothing coming out really that much next week. You know, it's so going to continue. It's going to continue. It's going to mm-hmm. have a decent run. It's it's maybe going to end up with thirty, forty million, mm-hmm. but on a three point five million dollar budget, it's a hit, and that's wow. why horror movies are so successful. Because, because it costs very little to make, and they right. make all their money back very right. quickly. Mm. So I, 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 I do want to say that um, Lucy Hale, who's who's the main lead in this movie, mm-hmm. um, she's on. She's from Pretty Little Liars. Mm-hmm. She also has a show on the CW called Life Sentence, and um, I thought she was actually decent. She she did really. She did a great job trying to hold this movie together, trying to make the the dialogue work, trying to make the story work. Um, but it's just it's just so ridiculous and so cliched of like. <laughs> You know, teenage stuff like true for dare, like I dare you to sleep with my best friend kind of stuff. And it's like, uh, like, uh. but I will say if you're a teenager, get a whole bunch of friends together and just enjoy it. Yeah, I'm just saying truth or dare <laughs> never involved a horror movie kind of tactic. We weren't talking about cutting people's tongues off and all that crazy uh, stuff. I don't even want to talk about that. I don't even want to talk <clears> about that. So I'm just that. like, mm, okay. We have to talk about Rampage yes, before we go into this. we have to this. talk about Rampage. Uh, so we do have a trailer for this. Very short. Short and sweet. Yeah. Um, and this is the third time that Dwayne Johnson is teaming up with Brad Payton. And here's the trailer. This was like 
King Kong gone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. All righty then. All righty then, right. <laughs> um, so I went to see this movie before the premiere. I got invited to the premiere. Yep. Um, I remember. Someone actually invited me to go to an early screening with them, mm -hmm. which I'm very grateful for. Um, and my initial reaction when I got out of the movie, and this is 100% honest, I said in my review was, wow, that was bad. Um, and then what happened was, it, no, this is interesting because you're I'm gonna... laughing at you because what's, what consistently happens on this yes, show yes. is that I'll be like, sometimes I don't know a movie is bad, but yeah. I just don't want to say anything bad about it. <laughs> and I'll be like, well, and I'll try, always try to find a redeeming quality. And you're like, it was bad. No, 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 no. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. That was my initial reaction. And then I thought about it. Like, I slept on it, you know, and that's the great thing about not having an embargo lift that the very same day that you get out of a movie. Oh, right? and let's explain to people that are watching this that don't know what an embargo lift yes, is. Yes. So an embargo lift is where the publicists and the studios have told you you cannot talk about this or print a review online or a video yeah, yeah. before a specific date. So that's what an embargo is, for those of you that don't know. For those of you that do, then, you know, hey, you know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so that was really nice about this movie because I, I feel like sometimes I go see movies and the embargo lifts like the next day or like within like... 12 hours after the movie. So I don't really have enough time to really reflect on it. But upon reflecting on this movie, I, I, I kind of will still admit that it's a very dumb movie, but <laughs> it's supposed to be like that's that it's big, dumb fun. Is it, is it King Kong gone wrong? It, it's based on a video game, okay. which is, I, I don't know if you have ever, have you, do you, have you first ever all, go, gone first, to an arcade, Carla? Yeah. Okay, wait. Come so, on. yes, I've gone okay. to an arcade and my games of choice, because okay. I'm, I'm about to date myself, were like sure. Pac-Man okay. and Mario Brothers and stuff like that. But Did you play Mortal Kombat when you were? No, I ain't played no okay. Mortal Kombat. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's stuff where they shooting guns. I'm like, okay. mm -mm, no. So, the basic plot of the game is that there's mutated monsters, they climb up buildings, they smash the building, the building falls down, they walk to the next building, crush people along the way. So when you take that idea and you watch this movie, you're like, holy crap, they nailed it, because that's all there is to the movie and to the <laughs> video game. So it works for that. So I called it the ultimate monster movie, because okay. I felt like that's what it is. Okay. It's just... Dwayne Johnson being charming as always, you know, he <laughs> smiles, he looks good, he flexes, you know, he does his thing. And Does he raise his eyebrow too? Oh, of course he does. <laughs> of course he does. And then he goes, you know, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who pretty much plays the same. I love him. I know, but he plays the same character from, uh, oh gosh, oh, what's his name? Walking I'm Walking Dead. Dead. What's, you know his name? I can't, I, Negan, know, I, Negan. Yeah. I told you I don't do nothing hard, okay, so I okay. do not do the Walking Dead. But either. he plays Negan from Walking Dead in this movie, and I, the, the chemistry between them is fun, It's and, and the monsters and everything are great. I do have issues with the story because it tries to actually give the movie some story that uh -huh. it doesn't really need. Like, uh -huh. it could just be big and dumb and fun. But they try to, like, add this plot and, like, oh, Naomi Harris is a research scientist who was, like, lost her job because she revealed that the company was bad and, like, that kind of stuff. Like, 
It didn't need to be there. It should have just been like, here's a virus. The gorilla got it. A bunch of other animals got it. Go ahead, Dwayne Johnson. But at least Johnson. Naomi got to redeem herself from, from Moonlight. She went playing a, oh, crack, yeah, a, a yeah. crackhead mama. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there's that. And then that other movie with Will Smith that everyone loves so much. Okay. I don't know. What, I don't know. Um, what, what, collateral. Yeah. What, collateral. Collateral beauty. Collateral beauty. Yeah, that movie. Everyone loved that one. Yeah, well. Well, I, I mean, at the end of the day, if you've seen Brad Payton's other movies where, like, they just kind of follow, like, a formula of we're big, we're loud, we're fun, you're going to like this movie. It's not the greatest movie. It's not the worst movie. As I said many times already, <laughs> it's big, dumb, fun. So, And it's the most outrageous movie I think Dwayne Johnson's been in so far because it's like he just keeps upping the ante, I feel like. like he's like, I'm going to just take this next role because it's more ridiculous than my last one. You know what? I love him. He is yeah, a brown I, man I, taking I, over I, Hollywood I love, I love one peck too. at a time. I think he's amazing. <laughs> I think he's a freaking amazing. He is a brown man taking over Hollywood one peck at a time. I am happy to see him having some fun. <laughs> some big, dumb fun. And yeah. speaking of big, dumb fun, well, not dumb fun, <laughs> but fun anyway. Um, um. Conversations with Maria Menunos comes on every Friday podcast edition on Sirius and iTunes. It drops every Friday on iTunes, actually. And um, it features celebrity and influencer interviews along with secret tips and, you know, stuff that makes you better in your life. But um, is everything from health and wellness to career finances and, um, you know. Maria can be the big sister that you always wanted. She's our big sister here at Black Hollywood Live and one of the founders along with Kevin Undergarl. So go to iTunes and subscribe there. Conversations with Maria Menunos for free. Be sure to rate and comment when you do and let Maria know that Scott Menzel and Carla Renata from Black Tomatoes at BHL Online sent you there. Conversations with Maria Menunos podcast edition. Check it out. So now... To talk about some more fun, we wanted to have a little conversation about um, movies based on video games. Yes. Okay, so let me just say <clears throat> that although I don't really, I haven't really seen that many movies based on video games, I saw Tomb Raider, and I think that's based on a video yes. game, right? So I saw that, and I'm the voice on Grand Theft Auto on, I think, number six and seven, Liberty something or another, Liberty City, I think, yeah. is the vo- I'm the voice on there. And I don't even remember my character's name, but I, I just know I'm the voice on Grand Theft Auto in 6 and 7 edition. But um, I just, you know, because video games are, are more popular with the generation behind me, it's not really my thing. But there have been a considerable amount of them made into motion pictures. Right. Right. Did you? Are there any that you've seen? Uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider yeah that one I was going to say that (laughs) did you see Angry Birds I did see Angry I did see Angry Birds and I saw the Emoji movie which that's not really a video game okay I like the Emoji movie I thought it was cute I did. No. I thought it was really oh, cute. I did. Carla. I told you. I thought it was really cute. I thought it had a cute little story. I was all about the emoji movie, and everybody else hated me because I <laughs> liked the emoji movie. Me and my mom went, and we were like, "Oh, that was so cute!" And people were like, "Are you on crack?" I'm like, "No," but I like the emoji movie. <laughs> did you see Prince of Persia? No. I clearly didn't see Mortal Kombat. Right, right. That's what I was going to say. I, you didn't I didn't see, see that? Resident Evil. All right. I didn't see Hitman. I didn't see uh, any of those. I didn't see... Yeah, I saw Laura Croft. I like Laura Croft. That's like my favorite. The woman Angelina <clears throat> Jolie or the new one? I like either one. 
Okay. I like either one. Okay. I just, you know, this is my thing. I just like seeing a girl on the screen kicking butt. I'm okay. like, there is a girl on the screen kicking butt. We don't see it that often. I talked about Taraji kicking butt at the beginning of the show, and now um, uh, Angelina Jolie did it in Laura Croft, and now we got Alicia Van Kander doing it. And so, you know, I'm all about the girls kicking butt. But the video game thing, um, I don't haven't I haven't seen that many films based on them. You clearly have because you got a video game shirt on. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I wore it. Just for this You're like, show. that's my thing, that's, and I'm going to talk about I, it. <laughs> hey, here's the thing. I'm kind of like, it's funny because you talk about like not being really into video games and missing it. I I grew up with the Atari, Nintendo. I grew su- up with that too. Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and then right when it got to like the PlayStation and the first Xbox is when I started <laughs> dropping off. Yeah, when uh, the X when the Xbox rolled around, I'm like, mm, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Like when Halo came out, and they're like, oh yeah, you can play a first person shooter, and I'm like, no, nope, I'm all right. I'm like, I just want to play with Mario and like have him run around and jump on things and jump on Yoshi and all that other. Crap. And I try, I tried to go for Candy Crush, but that hasn't been made into a movie. I tried. With don't Candy. worry, don't give him any. I tried ideas. with Candy Crush, and I'm just like, oh, I can't do this. Well, I mean, the whole thing started. I mean, video games were very popular um, in 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 the eighties, obviously, and the most popular video game was obviously Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, which became the first ever video game movie. Which was so cute. It was the cutest thing. <laughs> it was. It was the cutest thing ever. The little man with his little hat. It was cute. It. Shut up, Scott. I know. I know. <laughs> you like? I mean. It, it's funny because that movie, here's the thing with that movie. I felt like there was no way of actually making that into a movie, and they tried. And I give them credit for it because, you know, Bob Hoskins is Mario and John Leguizamo is Luigi. They kind of looked I think he just a, passed this year, too, didn't he? Uh, uh, Bob Hoskins? I think he oh, did. Oh, a long time ago. Oh, a long, a long time, time ago? ago. Oh, couple I couple years he, ago. I oh, okay, so I'm not that far off. <laughs> Like, you were like you looked at me like dang no, girl, you've, been, wasn't. you've been gone for 50 years no, where you no, been no. <laughs> it hasn't been that long but it's been at least three or four <laughs> that was pure but, comedy but, but they were you know they, looking at them cast in, in that role that was fine but then you know Dennis Hopper as King Koopa was I don't know how it felt about yeah, that. I, yeah, um... yeah, but again, it just should have been made into a movie, and then you had Double Dragon and Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, and it, and those were all flops. And then you had, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. Laura Croft, Laura Tomb Raider, Croft, Tomb Raider, baby, which was pretty much Angelina Jolie. Let's be honest. Let's call it how it is. Trying to be Indiana Jones, looking sexy as hell. <laughs> That, that that's what that was. okay i you're a guy so you would look at it that way i would have never looked well, at it that way until you brought that to my studi- attention well the studios obviously of, looked at it that way but that's kind of what it was those those that's, that shirt was tight those shorts were short so <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i can't oh you're making my face hurt laughing at you oh my goodness <laughs> You ca- well, you call the spade a spade. It's the and, truth, and, and that's why. What was the controversy <laughs> around this new movie? None. Oh, her boobs are not big enough. Oh, they how said co- her boobs were big yeah. enough. That's yeah. stupid. Yeah. Her yeah. boobs are not acting. Her no. face is right. Like, really? Exactly. 
Oh my God! But Will that we was ever one get of away the... from the sexism. Huh? No, but I don't no, think so. we won't. No, Ugh, we won't. That is so annoying. Um, and how about? Yeah, I'm guessing you never saw the 1800 Resident Evil movies. Either. Oh hell no! Yeah, Mm-mm. like those were movies. That was Mila Jovovich. That was Kate Beckinsale, right? No, that's Underworld. Underworld, yeah, which, I told which you. is essentially like the same movie. So don't worry that's about it. I was it. like, it looked like um, the same thing to me. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, after a while, it felt like the same thing. Um, but it's like Mila Jovovich, and it's like her husband directed all those movies. So it's like, okay, put her in this movie, put her in this movie, keep it down. And, keep then, it down. and then we had Yui Ball, who did all those terrible direct-to-video movies, House of the Dead. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it really took a long time. I'm kind of going through this. I mean, we had Dwayne Johnson was in Doom, which was not a very big success. Mm-mm. And, you know, Resident Evil was like the only one that kind of came out. And then uh, bringing back, did you see Max Payne with... Uh, no, I okay. purposely didn't see that one. Okay. That looked crazy as hell. I'm like, I just, I can't. Maybe one you saw, Need for Speed. Did you see that one with the guy from Breaking Bad? No. I didn't see that one either. Mm-mm. I think at that point, I like you, I was me right... in the video game movies. But, I'm like, but, mm. but I figured, you know, that was like that looked like Fast and Furious. Like that was just like, oh, Fast and the Furious is popular right now. This guy's popular from Breaking Bad. Let's Mm-mm. put it in a movie. No, okay. I was like, eh, I don't, I don't know about yeah. that. So, so essentially, what I'm getting at is like we went through all these movies, and I mean. There's... So which ones would you say, in your opinion, since you're like the video game film expert, which one would you say? Which ones, rather, would you say are the best ones, and which ones would you say were the worst ones? <sighs> I mean, it's that's a tough question. <laughs> the collective side that is really a tough question. Um, would you say if, Tomb Raider would rate up there with some of the best ones? I would say if I had to label the best video game movies, I would, I would, I would. And I know this is controversial, but I would say that the latest Tomb Raider movie that came out is probably number one. Just oh, really? Beca- just, be- just because none of these other movies really wowed me in any way. Um, what about and- the original Tomb Raider? No. Really? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh, I don't. I, go back and watch it now. It doesn't. It doesn't I hold see it on, up. It comes on TV all the time. Yeah, you watch it still. I, I, yeah. Look, it's I, like. Tomb Raider with Angelina you, you Jolie, like, when it comes on TV, it's like the color purple or boomerang <laughs> for me. I will, I will watch it all the time. I will watch it well, all the time. Well, at least you had other good movies there. And you watch Coming, <laughs> Coming to America, too? When it's oh, off, of you, that, that movie's amazing. Of course. I watch it every time it comes on. Speak, But speaking of boomerang, boomerang, <laughs> I know, boomerang is celebrating the an anniversary and the BET is going to make it into a TV series. I don't know how I feel about that. You know, that's what I said. I was like, "Mm, this movie is pretty iconic. I don't know how I feel about that being a TV series. I really, like, what are they going to do? Like, it ended, Boomerang ended with Eddie Murphy and Halle Berry's character walking down the street and her basically threatening him if he turned around to watch that girl who (laughs) who iconically (laughs) was walking so slow. She looked like she was walking through molasses. Uh, I'm like, seriously, though? Like, that's how it ended. That's what you gotta love about the 80s and 90s. They just have those long takes where everything is drawn out and you're just kind of like, oh, you're just gonna show her walking? But I'm just like, what are they they gonna do? And then it has that iconic soundtrack with Tony Braxton's voice on it. Most of that that, that film, for me, was the sound Soundtrack and Grace Jones and Eartha Kitt. Like, there were all these iconic, you know, African-American people in them. Like, Eartha Kitt was iconic because she was the first black woman to play Catwoman in the Batman franchise. So there was that. Grace Jones was iconic because she's Grace Jones. Like, she's Grace Jones. She has a documentary coming out this week, too. I, I think it's called... 
I want to say bombastic, but I know that's wrong. But I'll talk about <laughs> something close to that. But I'll talk about that next week because I cannot wait to see it. It is going to be hilarious because she is out of pocket. And did you know? Okay, so trivia. Yeah. Did you know that Bishop Noah Jones is Grace Jones's brother? No. Yeah. So there's that. She has a minister for a brother. Wow. Grace Jones. Put that in your pipe and smoke it for a second. <laughs> so there's that. And then um, <clears throat> that was one of the first films with Halle Berry. And this is the thing. So I was watching it again and I thought, why does Halle Berry not do more comedy? She's freaking funny. There's that scene in Boomerang where her and David Allen Greer had this date and they never ordered dinner because he was too indecisive. <laughs> so he gets in the elevator. She had one of those apartments in New York where the elevator comes right up into the apartment. So he's getting in the elevator to leave and they they keep trying they keep trying to say goodbye and they keep doing it in different languages. And at one point she busts out Korean. She says goodbye, see you later in Korean. Cause at the time that the movie came out, it was this big deal, like some somebody got shot in a Korean store or something. So she busts out this Korean and it was the look on her face when she did it. It was <laughs> that sold it? Yeah. Well it, that plus the fact that it was the way she, her pronunciation and everything was kind of right on it. And I was like what? And I thought, oh, okay, Halle Berry. And then there, and then she was in Baps. Remember Baps? Yes. She yes. was funny. Yeah. Like, I don't know why. <clears throat> I'm thinking she didn't do a lot of comedy. She didn't have a lot of success with it, I feel like. Really? She only did three. Yeah, I What did she do? The Flintstones, Boomerang, and Baps? That's well, it. Well, Baps did not do well. Flintstones no, she was, funny, was like, yeah. Flintstones was what it was, but she's funny. Yeah. And I'm I mean, just like. That's what I think it is. Like, people. <clears throat> People get too typecasted in movies all the time. I think she got typecast because of the way she looks. Like I think if she it, if she didn't look like the ex beauty queen that she is, Halle Berry, I think they probably would have um, investigated some more comedic projects for her. But because she looks the way that she looks, I think sometimes Hollywood thinks that people that are pretty like that can't be do you funny. Re- do you remember? I'm I'm surprised with we're, we're in the the time of the Me Too and all that stuff right mm-hmm. now. I'm amazed that no story has come out about Swordfish. Do you remember that movie? I do. Swordfish Ooh, you was, went back. Yeah, Swordfish <laughs> was the movie where they marketed the whole entire movie based on the fact that she got topless in it. I just remember watching that because I was young enough at that time where I remember like that was something that I cared about. Like, oh my god, this person's gonna be, this person's gonna show their boobs. Oh my god, you know, can I go see striptease because she's oh, gonna no, show? Oh, you did bring out striptease. That was the worst movie. Oh, it's so ever. terrible. It's so terrible. Oh my god, that movie. But I just so bad. remember watching all the promotion because I've, I've been in the movie so long and I remember watching the promotion for Swordfish mm-hmm. and she went on like a award show and she's like. Well, if you see swordfish, you can see these. And I'm like, Oh no, she, she said did that? that. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I'm sure was someone could find it on YouTube. I'm sure it's on there. Wow. So I'm I'm amazed that nothing has come out about her and how much like they like exposed her in that movie just to sell it. Well, you know, they did the same thing with her in um, the James Bond movie. Remember they kept showing oh, that clip die, of her? die another day. Yeah, yes. remember they kept showing that clip of her coming out oh, of the ocean? The water. Like, that's yeah. all she did in the whole movie. I'm like, and coming out of the ocean with the with the knife oh, on yes. the side. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. like, come on now. I just feel like she's a smart cookie. Yeah. She's a really smart cookie. And she made some really smart producing decisions in terms of films. Like, she, some of the films were okay, but she made really good decisions in terms of she's she's smart in the respect that she knows that Hollywood is very youth driven. 
So even somebody as beautiful as she is has a day where people are not checking for you anymore. And so she started going behind the scenes. She produced that, um, I can't remember, the, the I think it was called The Wedding. It was a book based, it was a, a TV movie uh, based on the Dorothy West book. Okay. <clears throat> and Halle Berry produced that with with Oprah Winfrey, and they put that on ABC a long time ago. And then she produced um, Lackawanna Blues. She produced that with Ruben Santiago Hudson and Essie Paytha Murkison. And I think Essie Paytha Murkison won an Emmy for it. So, and Which is really funny, because Essie Paytha Murkison had been on Law and Order for 5,000 years and never even got nominated for an Emmy and she won it for a TV movie produced by Halle Berry. So and then she and then Halle Berry produced the movie for which she won the Emmy, the introducing Dorothy Dandridge. So she's a smart cookie and I feel like Hollywood just doesn't give her the credit that she deserves nor do they do any of the women that are directing and producing. They don't do it for Angelina Jolie. I think Catherine um Bigelow She's the only one that they kind of sort of give a little credence to, but the rest yeah, of those and that's stars, because, they and, then, them. and that's because she came off, well, two people. I would also argue Sofia Coppola. But yeah, it's also because the I names. I would say that. The names sell them. Okay, so like, oh, it's Coppola. You have to sell that name. But even even with that name, they still don't give her no love. They no, still give no. her no love. I mean, what was it? Lost in Translation? Oh, I love that They movie. were like, oh, it's such a great movie, such a great movie. And then she got she got no love. And I'm like... How are you, how, it's just like with um, Ben Affleck and Argo, how are you going to go on and on and on about how fantabulous a movie is and ignore the director? It happened to Steven Spielberg with The Color Purple. Like, how can you do that? I don't understand that. That boggles my mind. But it is particularly um, blatantly gross when it comes to women in the industry in directing and producing. They go, oh, yeah, they directed and produced this, and then they go on to the next. I'm like, can y'all just, like pause for a second and give these women the credit that they're due because whether it's a male or a female producing and directing is really hard work can we just acknowledge them the same way we acknowledge the men that's kind of annoying to me right <clears throat> but I say all that to say that you know I'm one of Halle Berry's biggest fans and people people go in on her all the time you love you love kidnapped I love Halle Berry. Yeah. I think I think Halle Berry is one of the smartest women in Hollywood. I really do for a variety of different reasons. And I just think that she doesn't get she doesn't get the accolades that I feel like she should get in the industry for what she does behind the scenes and not so much in front of the camera, but behind the scenes. She produces some stuff that people don't even talk about. Yeah. So I'm just like, can we just like give her some props and some accolades for a second? We giving you props and accolades here at Black Tomatoes, Halle Berry, because I think <laughs> you're the bomb. Um, but yeah, Boomerang in this anniversary coming on TV at BET. Check it out. I y'all. don't. I still don't know. How, I, it's it's funny how we like we did our like a really big circle somehow. That's, that's how, all right. I, I don't know how we did that, but that's that's, that's right. fine. I liked it. That's all right. We um, did a big circle. We did. But I, I mean, I feel like. I, this maybe we should talk briefly about this is that what's your feelings on the whole fact that they just keep trying to revamp everything and these like sequels that are it's to movie, movies that are like so old like next week there's a movie coming out called Super Troopers 2 which I just saw the trailer for and it looks in my opinion horrendous <laughs> um, but and I remember the first movie the movie was fine you know it wasn't it was a stoner comedy it was what it was but do we really need a sequel? But they like do the same Zoolander. thing on Broadway too. Oh my god. I mean, this is the thing. If the if the film made millions upon billions of dollars, then yeah, it might warrant a sequel. People might want to see what happens in the next chapter of that particular story. 
But with some of these films, like you said, but I'm I don't talking need about to see these. It. No, I'm talking about like Boomerang, for example, something that's Boomerang, so long. You know, I'll go. Do we really need it again? I don't. If they were going to redo the film, I would be like, yeah, y'all need to leave that alone. It was fine the first time around. But to make it into a TV series, TV series, TV series, even I said when I first started out, I don't know how that's going to work because the film, when it ended, was very finite. So it's only so much you can do around the story of Marcus and Angela in that film. You know, and Robin Gibbons' character is a non-entity by the time the film ends. So it's just like, I don't know how much more you could do. But what I do find actually very interesting and intriguing about it, on a positive note, is it will be a project that will show upwardly mobile African-American people on television. I wish it wasn't going to be on BET. I yes. wish it was on another network. Right. But And not to say that BET won't good, do a good job with it, but BET is on cable. And if they were going to do uh, Boomerang as a TV series and put it on network television, then it would have more eyeballs on it because it's not cable. Not everybody can afford cable. Not everybody can afford a Roku or a Chromecast or a uh, Apple TV to stream stuff. So that, having said that, I mean... It would be nice to see upwardly mobile black people on television in a different light and and, and um, executives are starting to do better with that. But I don't know if I want to see that as a TV series. I mean, this is going back to <clears throat> our conversation last week. I think this is where Netflix is really leading the way in terms of their shows that they put out. I yeah. Mean, you're seeing a lot of diversity on there. Yeah. I mean, there's been numerous shows focusing on the Hispanic community that people are talking about. Yeah, one day at a time. Yeah, they're they're getting picked up. Mm -hmm. And they're getting repeat seasons over and over again. Um, So it's nice to see that. And I agree with you. You know, there's there's been a studio, you know, Blackish is the only show that I can think of where it's primarily, like, it's an all-black cast, right? I mean, yeah, it is. on a network channel? What, mm-hmm. what else is What else is there? I, don't... I mean, you have black... ABC, in terms of network television, yeah. is the one network that does a really good job about uh, diversity, diversity across the board. Yeah, yeah. So they have blackish, they have fresh off the boat. Right. They have, they're going to have Most Likely Two, which stars my good girlfriend Yvette Nicole Brown and Donald Faison and uh, a, uh, some Broadway people. Um, that's one of the pilots that's being shot. I don't know if they're going to pick that up or not, but that's going to be a whole black family there. Oh, good. Yvette was on The Mayor, and Which that was a black that, show yeah, on that, ABC. They, so, year. I mean, you know, it. I have to say that now, more so than 20 years ago, or when I came to Hollywood, it's a little bit better now than it has been, but, you know. There's still a lot of... There's still a lot of yeah. uh, room to grow and a lot of work to do. And, you know, on that note, that brings us to the end of this show. That was fast, right? (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) So next week, y'all, we're going to talk about I Feel Pretty with Amy Schumer. (laughs) (laughs) You can already tell Scott going to have something to say about that. And we're going to have (laughs) we're going to have we're going to talk about Traffic, which is directed by Dion Taylor. And he's going to be in studio with us. So if you have some questions for him and questions for us, you can go to the chat room at Black Tomatoes on Black Hollywood Live on the YouTube. YouTube channel and let us know so that we can prepare and give those questions to Mr. Dion. And as usual, you can find me online at the Curvy Film Critic. Don't forget to go to iTunes, give us 
those five star ratings. Go to YouTube and subscribe to the channel. And where can we find you, Scott? Sure. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at the other Scott M, <laughs> as well as Instagram. And then if you want to read any of my content, which is reviews and interviews, go to WeLiveEntertainment.com. All right. I am Carla Renata, the Curvy Film Critic. We will catch you next week for Episode 9 of Black Tomatoes. Peace. Bye. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood, Hollywood redefined. redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.